0: Welcome to Sports History 101, a production of the Saints Sports Network. Hello and welcome in to episode number four of Sports History 101. As you already know from the long history of this podcast, I am your host, Ray Delgado. This time around, we'll be talking about the Ryan Express, better known as the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame pitcher and the strikeout king, Nolan Ryan. Lynn Nolan Ryan. Yes, his first name is Lynn. I had no idea. Lynn Nolan Ryan was born in Refugio, Texas to Robert and Martha Lee Ryan as the youngest of six. He had one brother and four sisters. He was born in Refugio, but about 6 weeks after he was born, his family moved to Alvin, Texas because his father worked with oil plants and Alvin, Texas was just outside of Houston. Like you would expect from most kids, Ryan started playing sports at a young age and specifically played started playing baseball with his dad in the yard around seven years old. Shortly after that, he got his introduction to organized baseball at Schroeder Field nearby in Alvin. There he played Little League baseball to start and really wowed people from an early age. From age eight to 18, he... Helped his dad deliver the Houston Post, which was the the newspaper that was widely distributed in Alvin. Helped his dad deliver the Houston Post from 1 to 4 a.m. every day to the whole town. Which is pretty astounding for, well, starting starting as an 8-year-old. Helped with his work ethic, for one. And also helped with his arm strength. Because he had to roll up the newspapers and toss them over the fence quite often. When he hit junior high, his arm strength really got put on display as he could stand on the goal line of a football field and throw a softball over 100 yards. Well, well farther, at least 20 yards further than anyone else in his school, let alone his grade. That wouldn't be his only exploit on the football field. He actually did have a brief football career. He was a cornerback, but after being flattened, by future NFL running back, Norm Bulake, I believe this is his, his, how you say his name. Ryan decided that, uh, you know, getting your bell rung all the time wasn't that uh, fun. So he decided to focus solely on baseball after that. When he hit high school, he attended Alvin High School. It's the only high school in the in the city and made the varsity team as a sophomore in 1963. And where he had a decent season, but really started to turn heads as a junior, averaging two strikeouts per inning. He even accomplished the feat that so many try to do and is such a big deal. Struck out over 20, so not just 20, over 20. Struck out 21 in a nine-inning game against LaPorte High School. Granted, it was in high school, but still a big deal. In 1962, so when Ryan was a freshman in high school, the Houston Colt 45s started play in Major League Baseball as an expansion franchise in the National League. With Alvin's close proximity to Houston, like we mentioned earlier, that meant that scouts got to see a lot of Nolan Ryan, which turned out to not really help him with the Astros very much. The scout that was really enamored by Ryan and his ability to throw a fastball was New York Mets scout Red Murph. And he recounted the first game that he saw Nolan Ryan said the night before I had seen the two fastest pitchers in the national league at the time, Jim Maloney and Turk Farrell. Nolan Ryan was already faster than both of them by far. This is a high school kid. The other huge plus for having professional baseball, major league baseball, so nearby was that Ryan got to see his hero Sandy Koufax pitch for the Dodgers. Sandy Koufax is a Hall of Fame pitcher, was a phenomenal pitcher, threw four no-hitters in his career, and was um, a strikeout machine for a long time. As a senior at Alvin High School in 1965, Nolan Ryan did nothing short of dominate. He went 19-3. He led the Yellow Jackets to a Texas State Finals appearance in the 32 game season overall he pitched 27 games starting 20 of them pitched 12 complete games and had 211 strikeouts compared to 61 walks which is which was pretty high but still pretty good control there the coach and the players of his team described him as a quote wheel horse i wasn't really sure what a wheel horse was either but if you look it up it's an expression The wheel horse was the the one that was closest to the wagon. So if you'd hitch up a wagon to move something, you'd hitch up the horse, the strongest horse, because that one closest to the wagon carries the heaviest load. And that was absolutely what Nolan Ryan's role was on that team. For example, on March 25th, 1965, he went seven innings, a complete game shutout. The next day, the team had a doubleheader. Ryan pitched three innings in the first game as a reliever, giving up one run, striking out five. And then the late game that day, he started that game, went five innings, only allowed one hit and struck out 10. So this kid pitched 15 innings basically in two days, making two starts and was, was fantastic throughout. His fastball broke bats so often that, that fans complained and actually believed, legitimately thought that there were razor blades attached to his pitches because he broke bats so often with how fast he could throw the ball. To give just an idea of Ryan's reputation, on March 20th against Deer Park in the first inning, the leadoff hitter walked up to the plate and walked away with a cracked batting helmet because Ryan hit him in the head so hard that it cracked his helmet. The next batter came up. Ryan hit him too and broke his arm. The third hitter, probably the smartest of the team, uh, refused to get into the batter's box. Naturally, I would probably refuse as well. After he was basically shamed into it by his coach for not wanting to get into the box, he was very quickly struck out on three pitches. It wasn't that Ryan was trying to hit people. It was that he was... He went 110% always, every pitch, and with that, you lose some control. He threw so hard that his regular catcher had seen a hole at you the know, beginning of the season. There was a little hole that was in his glove, and as the season progressed, it got bigger and bigger, so he basically tore a hole through his glove and more or less had so much trauma with that hand from catching those fastballs that the catcher couldn't grip a bat. The only negative of his senior year was when Mets scouts, the one that absolutely loved Nolan Ryan, Red Murph, finally convinced his scouting director, because really Red Murph was the only one that was really convinced about Nolan Ryan, convinced his scouting director, Bing Devine, last minute to travel to see Ryan on May 20th. The day before Ryan's coach had put the team through a really, really tough workout because he thought they weren't concentrating in practice. So they had to be punished for that. So he ran them into the ground with wind sprints all day. So naturally the next day, everyone was ridiculously tired and definitely not at their full form, including Nolan Ryan. So he got the call to pitch the game and was one reluctant to pitch and two like I said, like everybody else, was very very tired, so he pitched really poorly, and that very considerably dropped his draft stock. The Mets scouting director was, by you know, any definition, not at all impressed. He was like, you know, this kid, uh, he's he's not great, so we're not we're definitely not going to draft him. So we're going to take a quick break our first break before we move on to Nolan Ryan's professional career because he did eventually get drafted. After his very underwhelming final start before the draft, Nolan Ryan had to wait a long time on draft day. The major league draft is something like 25 to 30 rounds, this was actually the very first amateur draft, so I'm not exactly sure how many rounds there were, but there's, there's a lot. Finally, at the insistence of Red Murph, the New York Mets drafted Nolan Ryan in the 12th round of the Major League Draft amateur draft, the 295th overall pick. Shortly after, Ryan left Alvin, Texas that summer, got on his first plane, and flew to Marion, Virginia to start his major league, well not his major league, but his professional career in the Appalachian League. With Marion, he was only there a short time because it was rookie ball. Ryan pitched in 13 games. He started 12. He had a 438 ERA, which is not great, 115 strikeouts in 78 innings. He also had 56 walks, so still not that great. After that season, he then moved on to the Florida Instructional League, which is a winter league where he had some some decent success. In 1966, he started the season in single A with in the Western Carolina's league. There he made 28 starts for Greenville and struck out 272 batters in 183 innings. Minor leaguers there they just had no chance. They could not keep up with his fastball, but even with those 272 strikeouts, he still had 127 walks. Nonetheless, he was promoted to the double A team in Williamsport. There, he made three starts and struck out 35 in just 19 innings. So, still had great stuff at double A, which was huge. After that, he then got his first taste of the major leagues. At 19 years old, Nolan Ryan got called up and made his first appearance on September 11th, 1966. The Braves were beating the Mets 6 to 1, so it was really there wasn't any, you know, real pressure or anything like that. So they made the call to put Nolan Ryan in in the 6th inning, and in his first inning, he struck out Pat Jarvis, flew out Felipe Alou, And then struck out Eddie Matthews. So in his first inning of work, he sat all three batters down and struck out two. He went back out for the seventh inning and grounded out Hank Aaron, which is big. Then his lone blemish of the outing, Joe Torre hit a home run. And then, well, I guess it wasn't his lone blemish because then he walked Rico Cardi, but that was the only run that scored. And then Mac Jones lined out and he struck out Dennis Menke for the final out so none of those names really mean anything to you other than Hank Aaron and Joe Torre. but all around Ryan had his successful first outing he struck out three batters in two innings only allowed one run to a, a very good Braves team early on in his time with the Mets the New York media gave him the nickname the Ryan Express as you probably saw in the title of this episode and might have been confused. It still doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I'm sure there's more context there that's not really uh, recounted anymore, but the nickname was based off of a film, Von Ryan's Express. And in the plot of the movie, uh, it's in World War II and allied prisoners of war basically try to hijack a train so they can get safely out of Germany and get to Switzerland. So I guess it was really just his last name was Ryan, and that was Ryan, the Von Ryans Express, so they called him the Ryan Express. Another thing that I saw was also attributed to his fastball came at you like a speeding locomotive, and it wasn't going to slow down for anything. Whether that was cracking a batting helmet or breaking an arm, it didn't slow down. After his successful first outing, he made his first start a week later against none other than his hometown Houston Astros. The Astros had changed their name to the, the they changed their name to the Astros from the Colt 45s just a couple years after they were in action. His first start unfortunately did not go well. In his opening inning of work, he gave he his The line went like this, walk, single, single, double, strikeout, single, strikeout, intentional walk, and a strikeout. So he struck out everybody, All all three of his outs were strikeouts, but he also gave up four hits and two walks in the process. That translated to giving up four runs, and the Mets did not trot him back out for another inning. So unfortunately, his first start was only an inning. He'd got a little bit of work the next year in 1967, but he hurt his arm and decided to rehab it instead of getting surgery, which looking at now usually makes sense because surgery is generally the last option now. Early on, they were pretty quick to go to surgery because you had an immediate fix, there you go. But it was very wise of Nolan Ryan that young to realize the last option should be surgery the very last option should be cutting on the arm that is going to make you your money that is going to give you your livelihood so he decided to rehab it on his own still in his major, his first 3 years in professional baseball from 1965 to 67 he pitched 291 innings Struck out 445 batters, which is an average of 14 batters per nine inning, which is unparalleled, really. It's the minors, so, you know, their stats are skewed, but these are still all professional baseball players, and that's still a huge deal. In 1968, after he had successfully rehabbed his arm, Nolan Ryan joined the Mets at the start of the year as a 21 year old and never got sent back down. He earned a spot in the rotation out of spring training and made his first start of the year against, none other than Houston, in Houston, on April 14th. And this time around, it went a lot better. He held the Astros' hit list through five innings and had to leave after six and two-thirds shutout innings because of a blister. As we'll talk about later, blisters started to become an issue with him but nonetheless still picked up his first Major League win as the Mets defeated the Astros 4-0. to In the first six weeks of the 68 season, he pitched obviously the 6-2-3 and versus the Astros, then also had seven shutout innings against the Phillies through his first complete game to defeat the defending World Series champion St. Louis Cardinals, then threw a four-hitter with 14 strikeouts against the Cincinnati Reds, and unfortunately, injuries, a finger finger blisters, and he also had duty with the Army Reserve, prevented him from really keeping up that pace and doing doing well for an extended period of time. All of those things unfortunately stretched into the '69 season as well. But nonetheless, the 69 season actually ended on a high note because Nolan Ryan got to come on and pitch seven innings of relief in game three of the very first National League Championship Series. So how it used to work was the winner of the American League and the National League would, with the best record would just go straight to the World Series. But starting in 69, they had the National League Championship Series. So the best two teams in each league, in the American League and the National League, would play each other, and then they'd go to the World Series. Now, obviously, we have the Divisional Series, so you have three tiers of the playoffs now. Back then, it was the very first NLCS, and Ryan, with his seven innings, earned the win, and the Mets became the first expansion team ever to win a National League pennant it's also worth noting that Ryan pitched in game three and they won in game three. That's because it was a five game series. Now it's seven back then it was five. A week later on October 14th, Nolan Ryan made the only world series appearance of his career. Again, he came on in relief this time in the seventh pitched two and a third innings only allowed one hit struck out three and the Mets won five to zero the Mets later went on to win the World Series uh, 4 to 1 and really that was the only time that Ryan's teams had legitimate success was winning winning the World Series his other other teams later on they had success they got to the playoffs but none were none were like the Mets team over the next two seasons in 1970 and 71 in 1970, he had a 7 and 11 record with a 342 ERA. So respectable, but not great. At the end of 1971, his career record stood at 29 and 38. Back then, I know I'm talking a lot about wins, but back then they put quite a bit of stock in wins, whereas they don't as much now. So his crew record was 29 and 38, and he averaged nearly a strikeout per inning in over 500 innings but also averaged six walks a game he never really got into a rhythm with anything and that the issues really stem from like mentioned earlier his army reserve commitment he committed to to serve in the army reserve and was going to you know play that out because you, you can't get out of it after that doesn't matter what you do also the mets manager gave him no special attention or any kind of special, not really treatment, but just any, the time of day, because he also had Tom Seaver, who is a great pitcher, who's very high up there in many things in a hall of famer, along with Jerry Kuzman and Gary Gentry, all were three established starters who were doing really well. So they didn't really need to waste their time with Nolan Ryan because they had pitchers that could get the job done. With that, Ryan really didn't get any instruction from the Mets staff. The other three guys went to college and they got good, constructive teaching from, from their college coaches and things like that, but Ryan never went to college. He really needed that extra extra guidance. Met The Mets pitching coach, Rube Walker, explained his method for how he quote-unquote taught Nolan Ryan. He said, we tell him to throw as hard as he can for as long as he can. That's a horrible, horrible way to go about things, obviously. So because of all of this, Nolan Ryan was not happy in New York and very legitimately contemplated bowing out of baseball. And he said that if he wasn't traded, he would in fact leave baseball. He felt that he had had already pitched long enough to be able to get a pension from Major League Baseball, which was one of his goals. And if things weren't going to change, then he would have to make a change. He did get his wish. He did not leave baseball. And on December 10th, 1971, the Mets traded Nolan Ryan, Don Rose, Leroy Stanton, and Frank Estrada to the California Angels for shortstop Jim Fergosi. The New York Mets, we can look back now, hindsight's always 20-20, they lost out in a big way, trading away Nolan Ryan for a shortstop that was off the team by July of 1973, so he was off the team basically two years later. Ryan, on the other hand, his time with the Angels would turn out to be the best of his career. A lot of the issues that plagued him in New York were solved. His Army Reserve duties were finally fulfilled, and he was able to help along and kind of solve his blister problem. He still had blisters, but I guess he didn't have blisters, but he had calluses and scar tissue that would cause blisters. And what he did to remedy that was take a surgeon's scalpel and peel off all of the scar tissue and callus, which... I, I guess works. That sounds very, very dangerous because surgeon's scalpels are far from dull, but it worked for him and he ended up having quite a bit of success. The most important change was his pitching coach, his new pitching coach, Tom Morgan with the angels. Tom Morgan overhauled Nolan Ryan's delivery and taught him how to throw a curveball, which is huge if you're a guy with a fastball an overpowering fastball you need something to basically change tempo you need something to throw batters off because you can throw 105 but if you throw 105 each time hitters are eventually going to figure out how to catch up to it so if you throw a curveball that's 20 mile an hour slower then it keeps them on their toes the other biggest thing that really made a difference for Nolan Ryan was Tom Morgan supported Nolan Ryan. He was right there with him. He really needed that support because like any young kid does, he was only 21 at the time, 22. He really needed that help. He needed that backing to say, yes, you're doing a good job. You're doing, you're, you're doing okay here. You're learning. One of the things that would last with Nolan Ryan for the rest of his career was another thing to improve his pitching, which was starting a weight training program. At the time, it was believed by the quote unquote baseball experts that weight training impeded your movement, whether that was a pitcher or a batter, you're unable to throw the ball, you're unable to swing because it would mess with your smooth muscles or something like that. Basically, it would make you if you bulked up, you couldn't make, you couldn't swing couldn't throw ball. Well, that wasn't true. It's true. If all you're doing is weight training to get bigger, then yes, that's going to happen. Then you're, you're not gonna be able to get around yourself at all. Cause you can't, you know, touch your, touch your hands above your head. But Nolan Ryan was quoted saying it's not weight conditioning. Oh, I'm sorry. It's not weight lifting. It's weight conditioning. I was not trying to see how much weight I could lift. I was trying to lift the right weights in the right way. Basically, strengthening his whole body, not to get bigger, but just to strengthen himself. All of this together really started to work, and Nolan Ryan became the pitcher that we all know now. His first year with the Angels was a big success. In 39 starts, 39 starts. He threw 20 complete games and 9 shutouts. He also struck out 329 batters over 284 innings. Most, batter, most pitchers have will never ever surpass that 300 strikeouts in a season. And he did it, well, we'll, we'll talk about later how many times he did that. In 1973, he really hit his peak. On May 15th versus the Kansas City Royals, he made history. The game started like any other. He struck out a first guy and then then threw four pitch walk and then struck out two more. Through five innings, his only other base runner was another walk. He then sat down the Royals in order In the 6th, 7th, and 8th innings. Down to his last three outs. There's a pop fly to first base. Another strikeout. And a fly ball to right field. Thus completing his first career no-hitter. In which he had three walks and 12 strikeouts. Exactly two months later, on July 15th, he did it again. He had four walks and 17 strikeouts versus Detroit. Ryan was so unhittable in the Detroit game that as a joke, with two outs in the ninth, Norm Cash, who had already struck out twice in the game, actually walked up to the plate with a piano leg. Like, man, I can't hit it with a bat, so let's try something. The uh, Obviously, the umpire did not let him bat with a piano leg. He laughed hysterically sent him back and then you know he norm cash eventually struck out but yeah he had two no hitters exactly two months apart and that is that is nothing short of amazing having two no hitters in one season in 39 starts in 1973 he threw 26 complete games four shutouts And 326 innings. For reference now, if you throw 200 innings as a starter, that's that's a good year. If you throw 250, you're a workhorse. If you throw 326, you're basically a unicorn. No one does that anymore. He also accomplished something great, even more so than his two no-hitters. In the last start of his career... He was 15 strikeouts away from tying his hero, Sandy Koufax's modern single-season strikeout record of 382. So he was just 15 away and with one start to go. Through seven innings, he struck out 14. So right there, one away. In the eighth, he struck out Steve Bry to tie the record. So Nolan Ryan sat even with Sandy Koufax at 382 strikeouts. Unfortunately, well I guess in this case it was fortunate, for Ryan, the game was tied because the Angels offense was terrible. Because of that, the contest went into extra innings. Ryan did not strike out anyone in the ninth or the 10th innings and was actually pitching most of the game with severe leg cramps where he needed massaging when in between innings in the dugout. In the 11th, he finally got his, he finally cashed in. He struck out Rich Reese for number 383, breaking the single season strikeout record. To put icing on the cake, the Angels scored in the bottom of the inning and Ryan got his 21st win of the season. The 383 mark is the closest that anyone has come to 400 strikeouts, which is which was the goal for Ryan quite quite a few years. In the past like 30 years, the most recent bid, the closest anyone has been was Randy Johnson in 2001 with 372. So he was still 28 away, and that's the closest anyone's been. Even with throwing two no-hitters, Breaking the single-season strikeout record, he still finished second in the Cy Young voting. Because like I said, wins meant a lot. And if you were a good pitcher on a bad team, it was a lot harder for you to win awards. So he got second. What's great is looking back, Ryan was so menacing and he was so wild that players would get a one-day disease known as Ryanitis whenever Ryan was going to pitch. Ryan got so confident that he would actually tell players what pitches he was going to throw the next time that he saw them, doing that with reigning league MVPs and the best guys in the game. It's not a hard thing to guess. He would say he was going to throw fastballs. Ryan threw yet another no-hitter on September 28, 1974, taking down the Minnesota Twins 4-0. On June 1st, 1975, he tied his childhood idol, Sandy Koufax, with his fourth no-hitter, taking down the powerhouse Baltimore Orioles 1-0. The Orioles had won the division title, like four of the last five years, something like that, and were a really, really good team, and he no-hit them, no problem. Those four no-hitters Ryan threw in less than a hundred-start span in the American League. Why it's a big deal that it was in the American League is because the DH rule was instituted in 1973. The DH is the designated hitter, and in only the American League, that means that pitchers don't bat. So in the National League, you have quite a few more opportunities for strikeouts and or easy outs because pitchers will be batting. In the American League, you've got real hitters one through nine. So to be able to do that, to one, throw his no hitters and also set the strikeout record is just it it means more it really does and there i saw an article about ryan his bid for 400 in 1973 and how different it might have looked or if he would have actually gotten that 400 had he been pitching in the national league obviously you know we can speculate as much as we want but still it was a big deal that he was able to do this in the american league in this in less than 100 starts. In 1976 and 1977, he pitched almost 600 innings combined with 43 complete games. And in those seasons, he struck out 327 in 1976 and 341 in 1977. That's just so unbelievable. You look at it now, there's a couple guys that maybe can get to 300. But to be able to do that year in and year out is nothing short of amazing. What sucked for Nolan Ryan was that the Angels offense was terrible. And in 1976, he had 18 losses and 16 more in 77 because he couldn't get any run support. So if he gave up one run, maybe two runs, he would lose because his Angels hitters in the lineup could not give him any run support. The next year, 1978, it was a down year by Nolan Ryan's standards. He still led the league with 260 strikeouts, which I think is kind of funny because he obviously led the league the two years before with... 327 plus each year and then still led the league with 260 in 1978 and that translated to him averaging 10 strikeouts per game and that was a down year in 1979 he bounced back to have a really great start to the season earning the starting job in the all-star game but he strained an a muscle in his throwing elbow, which caused a lot of issues for him able, being able to actually throw the ball. And his the rest of the season did not go as well. Nonetheless, he still was able to start the very first ever postseason game for the Angels. He They were playing the Orioles, and he threw seven strong innings again. But the Orioles would eventually win because they were a much better team who actually had offense. After the 79 season, Nolan Ryan was 32. He had had some great years with the team, but as you would probably imagine, a power pitcher like Nolan Ryan, who just throws as hard as he can, when you're 32, the thought is you don't really last, you're probably not going to last much longer. So they tried to basically say, you know, Nolan, you're, uh, you're probably on your way out, so we're not going to give you another contract. So they let him walk away in free agency. We're going to take another quick break, and then we will see where Lo- Ryan ended up landing in free agency. In November of 1979, after the Angels decided to let him walk, Ryan found a suitor, his goal, his wish for his entire major league career was to be able to go home, was to be able to pitch for his Houston Astros and his childhood dream would come true. He signed with the Houston Astros for four years, making at least a million dollars a year and became the very first professional athlete to be able to achieve that feat. He's the very first million dollar a year player pitcher or hitter so the Ryan Express made its way from Los Angeles to Houston in 1980 he had a great first year in Houston and really I think probably enjoyed being back home enjoyed the the new the new digs he made 35 starts and pitched 233 innings he struck out 200 exactly and of those 200, he also achieved a major milestone. On July 4th, he pitched four and a third innings versus the Reds, striking out six. In the process, he achieved 3,000 strikeouts, one of just a handful to do so at the time. There have been probably 10 or so that have been added to the list since then, but that he was in very, very rare company then. In 1981, he had another good season. He actually had a great season. He had a 1.69 ERA in 21 starts. That was by far the best in Major League Baseball. He also set a Major League record on September 26, 1981, when he no-hit the Dodgers. Sandy Koufax's old team. His five career no-hitters surpassed Sandy Koufax, who had four and he was now the most the pitcher with the most no-hitters in the history of major league baseball. In 1982, he pitched 250 plus innings for the sixth time in his career. Again, like I said, 200 now is is great. 250 plus is outstanding. He had 10 more complete games in that year and struck out 245 In 1983, Ryan had the chance to break a 56-year-old record. He entered the season with 3,494 strikeouts for his career. Walter Johnson had the record for the most strikeouts in a career with 3,509. Ryan opened the season with a win versus the Montreal Expos, in which he pitched six innings, and struck out seven. His next start was versus Philadelphia, where he lost. He pitched six innings and only struck out three. On April 27th, Houston played again the Montreal Expos, this time in Montreal. He threw eight strong innings for the day, and through seven of those innings, he was one strikeout shy of the record. And then he struck out the first two batters in the 8th inning to get to 3,510 and set the new career strikeouts record. Ryan pitched well for the next few years, still in his late 30s, striking out guys at a very high rate. The highlights of his 85 season was becoming the first ever to 4,000 strikeouts on July 11th, against his former team, the Mets. He wouldn't hold that distinction for very long, though, because fellow old-timer Steve Carlton and his old teammate also surpassed 4,000. And for a number of years, those two actually traded off on who was the strikeout king for a while before Carlton retired, and Ryan just kept on going. At the age of 40, Ryan made another attempt to capture the Cy Young award. He hadn't had not gotten there yet. He had been in the majors for 20 years and still hadn't gotten it. He led the league with a 2.76 ERA and 270 strikeouts. He was became the very first ever to lead the league in ERA and strikeouts and not win a Cy Young. Like I kept saying earlier, wins were a much bigger deal. And the biggest issue with his resume was that he had an 8-16 and 16 record. And that was because the Astros, much like the Angels, couldn't give him any run support. However, he still struck out 11.5 batters per game and only allowed 6.5 hits per game. 1988 was the last year that he was under contract with the Astros. He made a respectable 33 starts with four complete games and led the league's league in strikeouts with 228. Again, becoming the oldest pitcher ever to do that. He did that in 87 and 88. At 41 years old, he was still the best power pitcher in Major League Baseball and had far better control. His walk rates really, really went down, especially when he managed to learn how to throw the curveball, and he also, I believe, learned to throw a changeup. Still, the Astros, he was still the Astros' best starter, but because he was 41, ignoring all of the statistics that I just read off to you in his, his 41-year-old season, the Houston Astros owner, John McMullen, figured a pay cut was in order because he was old and... Like the Astros figured he had to be on his decline when he was 32. Nine years later, the oh, I'm sorry, the Angels owner thought he was on a, the decline, and then nine years later, the Astros owner thought the exact same thing. Well, he's 42 now; he has to be on on the down. Ryan knew what he was worth, and was not going to take a pay cut to stay in Houston, so he decided to go elsewhere. This was a huge deal for Houston because Ryan was a hero in Houston. One of the sports writers in Houston, Mickey Hershowitz, was quoted. He said, in Houston, the fans had mixed feelings about Nolan. Some miss him every day of their lives, and some just miss him every fifth day. That's love right there. There's no doubt about it. He was a hometown kid who was was leaving again. The Texas Rangers, the other Texas Major League Baseball team, were not a good franchise. They had moved to Arlington, Texas, from Washington, D.C. in 1972, and they used to be the Washington Senators, and when they came to Texas, they renamed the Rangers. They were not good and had no stars for their whole existence. So signing Nolan Ryan on December 7, 1988, was a huge deal he was the very first player of that caliber of that star power to ever play for the rangers nolan ryan was motivated to prove that he still had it the astros figured hey you know you're too old you don't have it anymore well ryan didn't think so and went on a tear from 1989 to 1991 1989, he rung up 301 batters, his sixth season of 300 plus strikeouts, sixth season, and averaged 11.3 strikeouts per game. Also in that year, on August 22nd, he rung up, he struck out career number 5,000 against Oakland. 5,000. No one has gotten there and no one's going to. Next se- the next season, on June 11th of 1990, he struck out 14 Oakland A's in the Coliseum and routed to his sixth no-hitter while dealing with a stress fracture in his back. Talk about grit. Talk about that strength. Threw a no-hitter with a stress fracture and even bolstered his record because he already had the record with five no-hitters, now he has six. And then less than two months later, he won his 300th game of his career against the Milwaukee Brewers. Talk about the strength and grit of pitching through a stress fracture. He really showed true grit on September 8th in a game versus the White Sox. (laughs) Bo Jackson, who I hope you know who he is, was a superstar in football and baseball. He was playing for the White Sox, the Chicago White Sox at this time. And in the second inning, Bo Jackson hit a hard ground ball back to the mound. And Nolan Ryan went to field it, and it took a bad hop and hit him right in the mouth, directly in the mouth, and split his lip. So bad that he actually needed six stitches after the game. But he didn't care then. It was only the second inning, and he was going to pitch. So he stayed in to throw seven innings. Only allowing one run, he was bleeding from his mouth, just gushing blood all over the place during all all the last five innings that he pitched. But didn't even phase him; he was totally fine. In 1991, at the age of 44, he did the unbelievable again. He sat down every Blue Jay that he faced on May 1st and struck out 16 of the best batters in the league. The the Blue Jays, Toronto Blue Jays offense was the best lineup in the league and he threw his seventh no-hitter against them. He didn't care. He was great. Ryan was a huge spectacle in Texas in Houston and also with the Rangers. When he started thousands and more fans flocked to the games than they did when he wasn't and really never lost his fastball and was the king of longevity that wasn't by accident and that wasn't just him being a texas farm boy who knew how to work he worked really hard to keep it that way in between starts he spent two plus hours lifting running and biking every single day after he would start, so usually he'd, you know, he'd throw complete games, he'd go out there and throw nine innings, probably 130 pitches, and he would ride a stationary bike for 45 minutes after the game was over, just to keep up that that stamina, just to keep up that work. In the off season, he would work out upwards of five hours per day, every single day, Not only did he work on his body that much, he also never did anything that would risk his baseball abilities. You hear guys all the time that go out and they go dirt biking and break an arm or they go skiing and something happens or they're even, you know, playing playing ping pong or they're bowling and something happens. He never did anything like that because he knew he's a baseball player. He's a pitcher and that is what he is on this earth to do right now. So that's what he he focused on he wanted to keep his body so so pure so focused that even after all of his no hitters the the general consensus was you know for celebration you drink some champagne well Nolan Ryan would drink orange juice the Texas Rangers pitching coach said he's still throwing hard this is when he's in his 40s is with the Rangers he's still throwing hard because he does what it takes to prepare himself. He's like the mailman. Nothing keeps him from making his rounds in the weight room. Every good thing must come to an end. And Ryan's last year on the mound came in 1993 where injuries really started to bother him. I mean, you're in your mid 40s, late 40s and you know, time time catches up. However, one of the greatest moments in sports history was formed on August 4th of his final season, uh, this time during the White Sox, just like it was when he got hit in the face. This one also happened versus the White Sox. Nolan Ryan was on the mound in the third inning and hit Robin Ventura on the arm. It wasn't intentional. He just you know, lost a fastball or, or whatever and, and hit him on the arm. The 25 year old Robin Ventura did not take very kindly to that. And he charged the mound to fight the 46 year old Ryan Express. I assumed that Robin Ventura thought he was going to kick some butt, you know, assert his dominance and move along. It did not go as planned. Ventura ran to the mound. Ryan very quickly put him in a headlock and started punching him in the head like 7 or 8 times and before they were separated completely nullifying the attack and completely putting Robin Ventura in his place getting his butt kicked by a guy who was 20 years his senior. Put icing on the cake, Robin Ventura was ejected and Ryan kept on pitching and just like when he got hit in the mouth, he was unfazed this time too. Pitched 7 innings and only allowed 3 hits. The final start of his career came on September 22nd in Seattle. He threw a fastball in the first inning and heard something pop and tore his ulnar collateral ligaments, his UCL, which is the ligament in your elbow that allows you to throw a ball. Pitchers have this remedied all the time by Tommy John surgery, but he was 46 years old. He quoted, He's quoted saying, I heard the ligament pop like a rubber band. There's no way I'll ever be able to throw again. My body is telling me it's time to move on and do something else. And with that, he did. Nolan Ryan, the Ryan Express, he finished his career with 5,714 strikeouts. Second place on the list is Randy Johnson. With 4,875, he has almost 1,000 more strikeouts than anyone in the history of baseball. He amassed 324 wins and a 3.19 ERA, which is very good. He only allowed 6.6 hits per 9 innings, which is the best ever in the history of baseball, and struck out 9.5 per game. He also holds a major league record for walks. But, you know, what do you expect? He, threw, he, he issued 2,795 walks, but was able to do all of this, accomplish all of this over 27 years. He was a major league pitcher for 27 years. Crazy. It goes without saying that he was inducted into the Hall of Fame in his first year of eligibility on July 5th, 1999. He, along with the few other guys that was inducted with, drew the biggest crowd of anybody until in the early 2000s when Tony Gwynn and Cal Ripken beat the record. But still, a lot of fanfare because he was great. There's there's no doubt about it. He was great. After his pitching career ended, he really didn't want to get away from baseball and was a volunteer pitching coach for Texas Christian University while his sons played both of his sons pitched there and when they graduated he actually purchased and was the majority owner of two minor league baseball franchises that were very successful in february of 2008 he was named the president of the texas rangers the only pitcher not pitcher the only player former player to ever get that high in an organization and two years later was part of the ownership group that ended up buying the team. Nolan Ryan was a great pitcher, but he also doesn't get enough credit for being a good executive. He actually, like I said, the Rangers from the start of their time were not a good franchise and he helped engineer the most competitive years of Rangers history. They made two World Series appearances, and another Divisional uh, Series appearance. And that was done because Ryan was captaining the ship. He was with the team through 2013 before joining his hometown Astros as an executive advisor in 2014. Then he, he helped the Astros for a few years and then decided to bow out of baseball. Closing the book after almost five decades of Nolan Ryan in baseball. I love to learn about baseball statistics and history, and one of the best places for that is the Society for American Baseball Research, or SABER for short. There are all kinds of articles and player information that are all very enlightening. I'm not being paid by them to say this. Uh, It's just a great repository great place to find baseball information and it allows you to find out really cool stuff like this Nolan Ryan stuff some of it came from from his sabre bio and that's a a big deal we lose our history quite a bit but there is there's different resources and things out there to help us remember well that's all for episode number 4 Nolan Ryan really is one of the best to ever take the mound in Major League Baseball history. So hopefully you learned something about him. And if you want to know even more, he's written a few books that I'm sure would be interesting reads. I haven't had the chance to read any of them, but I'm sure he could give you quite a bit of insight. And if you're a young pitcher or old pitcher or trying to teach your kid or something, he I guarantee he has some some pitching techniques and tactics for you. Well, and until next time, stay safe and remember that Jesus loves you. Thanks for listening. Check out more content from the Saints Sports Network at saintsportsnetwork.home.blog.